Howdy, welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. This week, I have the pleasure of interviewing a recurring guest, Darren Doan, on his documentary, The Free Speech Apocalypse, which is now on the Canon app. Go download the Canon app today from your app store of choice and subscribe to get your hands on Darren Doan's documentary, The Free Speech Apocalypse. Without further ado, here's Darren. Thank you for this. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for coming in. Day of, too. That's huge. Although I kind of figured you'd be into it, getting wild. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me? I was like, yeah. I'm just glad we're actually doing this, man. Yeah. Darren, we're talking about the free speech apocalypse that you directed, edited. It's now on the Canon app. So it's Tuesday now that this is coming out. I'm so excited about this, too, because this is, I mean, there's there's so many levels we could talk about why this is perfect timing. And how all oh, this yeah. ties together, right? My guess is, I think this, I told you, we're really optimistic, not only how it's going to do when we put up clips on YouTube and other things like that. I also think there's always, there's like a turnover, a level of turnover. And maybe you've seen this where that came out when I was a senior at Bethlehem College. Whoa, I remember wow. getting it and uh, I got the file shipped to me somehow, I believe, when you put it out first. Okay. Yes. I don't remember how you, but I remember, th- I think I downloaded the files. Okay. So anyway, that was in 2000. 16 somewhere around there yeah uh so we're putting it on the canon app really excited about it now what uh for folks that have no clue what the free speech apocalypse is what is it and that wasn't the name originally right no yeah um we we wrestled with a bunch of names and the working title was stonewall that's right and i remember early trailers coming out on vimeo yes stonewall and it was just you know i usually tried to pick something um, that was more over my head. I mean, I sort of understood how people connected that from Stonewall Jackson to Stonewall in the sort of, you know, the history of Stonewall nightclubs or the Stonewall nightclub and how people tied that into the rights of individuals and lifestyle and all of that. So I was, but even that, like, you know, and then there was Obama from Selma to Stonewall. Yep. And yep. which I still think goes over people's head. Yeah. Like they just kind of go, yeah. That last little piece at the end. There. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the title that we went with. The film at the time was, I actually thought the film at first was going to be a comedy, which is really hard to imagine now because the subject matter was so crazy. And for those who are going to go see the film either again or for the first time, um, this, is, this is a weird backstory that could ruin it, but maybe it doesn't. But I had imagined a world where pastors would be jailed for their thoughts <laughs> and that what a crazy dystopia that would be huh right yeah. yeah and and so i thought it'd be really funny in the and and so I, I i knew we had all this great footage from bloomington indiana yeah so you came into that that you yes. weren't there for that i was not there i was there in spirit i was actually supposed to be there just didn't work out in daniel fukushan who i think really should you know and i think dane was there yep uh to probably get all the credit they were there documenting it But while it was happening, this was still iPhones and you could send videos and clips were being sent there. This is happening right now. I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And Wrench, I think, got some crucial crowd footage. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that, that was so, I was getting it, always loved it. It's hard to understand back then because that was- 2012. 2012, right? So, you know, this, this idea of a pastor being somewhere and students yelling at them you know, at, at him and screaming and protesting, what is so normal now. 
Well, in a weird way, it's it's died right now. Yes. In 2021, it doesn't exist anymore, but 2018, 19, 20 with Milo yeah. and, you Shapiro know, and- Shapiro and, um, and Coulter and, you know, like this was, this was happening. If you, if, if, if you had a different opinion or view of the world on a college campus, it got violent. It got crazy. So, but this was still six years. Way before. Before any of that. Yep. And. So Doug went to a campus, Bloomington, Indiana. Right. To do these lectures called Sexual by Design. Right. You can find those, the full lectures in and of themselves are on the Canon YouTube. Yeah. And I was telling you before we started, the Q&A to those about a month ago right. had about 16,000 views. The Q&A, Doug's doing a lot of discussion, obviously, or going back and forth. Uh, and it's kind of ripe for YouTube, the content in and of itself. There's tension. For now. For now. <laughs> well, now it's closing in on like 200,000 views. Just in the last month, it blew but, up. But I can't imagine it's going to stay. Probably not. Yeah, I mean. So go watch it while you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean. So, it's just- yeah. So th- this like wild campus thing that happened in 2012, you got all of the footage too. Yeah. Well, it, it was years later, you know, I, I it, it had been living online. Right. And I remember something kind of clicked for me because I'd always been very fascinated with kind of going into the details and kind of sort of in between the margins of a lot of things that Doug Wilson has been saying for a long time that doesn't really get focused on. There's so many little things that are actually the main things that never get really kind of explained or understood with sort of the controversy, quote unquote, around Doug Wilson. And so I was always, you know, a lot of Doug's stuff was for me very intriguing because he was always sort of talking about like what happens when like states' rights and like what what's the issue with states' rights, you know? And why was that a good idea and why not having it now the way it was? Why is that a bad idea? Yeah. You know? Um and civil rights and what happened in the civil rights, you know, that the DNA has now set the template for what we're living in now. Like all, like all those things are, are, you know, even his thoughts on slavery really had nothing to do with slavery. They actually had to do with abortion and he didn't want people shooting abortion doctors. Right. Right. So Doug has a weird curse of, he wants to write a book about why people shouldn't go kill abortion doctors. And he uses. And then somehow it becomes, right. The story of slavery it, yeah. and now he's pro-slavery or something, right. you know what I mean? Like, right. And so, but when you follow what he was trying to do and what he was doing and you follow those sort of rabbit trails, they expose a lot about what does freedom look like um, if you can ban people from saying stupid things, yep. then you'll be able to ban them from doing righteous things, you right. know? And so I, I was always intrigued with all of that. And by the time... Uh, there's sort of two things that I remember making me want to kind of tell the story. One was I was talking with Kirk Cameron and Kirk was talking to James White. Okay. And you have to understand four, five. Friends of the program. Friends of the program. But four or five years ago, I don't know if we'd say James White and Doug Wilson were buddies. No. Okay. They weren't. Right. And, and I always liked James White, although he's a weird dude, but he's just quirky. Very quirky. You know, um, and he had made a comment to Kirk that Kirk then relayed to me because I was saying something like, what if we took three people on the road to make a movie to go debate? Like, let's get Doug Wilson, James White, even though that, I wonder if they'd do that together, maybe someone else, right? And we'd go debate 
Bill Maher, whoever and whoever, right? And so Kirk had reached out to James White and said, would you ever do something with Douglas Wilson? And James White said something to the effect of, did you see his Q&A at Bloomington? And Kirk said, yeah, I actually have seen it. He goes, and James White said, I don't know anyone that could do that because I couldn't do that. He goes, I don't know how someone like Doug could do that or did that. I was like, that's interesting because I really like James White. Yep. Who's a, in a master. Master. It's <laughs> 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 just after lunch. And so I feel like my, <laughs> he, he debates a lot of people. <laughs> He's got does. a lot of debates. He's really good. He's yeah. one of the best. He's. <laughs> At debating, I'd say he's a master at it. Right. So it's shocking to hear somebody shocking. of that nature <laughs> right, right. talk like that about what Doug did at the Q&A. Yes. And I thought, wow, you know what? I think maybe I underestimated maybe because of my time with Doug with Collision. Right. So this is and how, how far after Collision is this? It, it's a while. Yeah. It's a while. So it's a while. I mean, it's got to be six years or something. So I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. And then right around that time, the Confederate flag issue. Yep. Like we forget about that. Yeah. Now. I forgot like, all about like that. Like the Confederate flag issue. Right. And they yeah. started taking down the Confederate flag and pre-monuments ish. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And it was like, okay, there's, there's, there's something happening. And then it kind of went back to Doug saying that the civil war was a really bad idea. And I get, and that really shook me because even as a Christian, I thought we still all agreed that Martin Luther King Jr. was amazing. The civil rights movement was the greatest thing that ever happened. And the civil war, something we should be proud of. And there were bad guys and good guys. And there were bad guys and good guys. And then moving to Idaho and, you know, meeting people who are part of the Nez Perce tribe and meeting actual Native Americans here who have a different story to tell about the North coming out this way and slaughtering, um, you know. The aforementioned good guys. Yes. Yep. Like, wait a minute. Wait, wait. The North was the good guys, right? The North fought the South to end slavery. They were really good. That was a good thing. But then, so I was sort of struck by academia tells us two things, that the Civil War was the best thing ever and that the indigenous people of this land got screwed. Like, and they're, and they're fine with that. Oh, yeah. And I was like, but who did it? Who did the screwing? Who did the killing? And it was like, oh, it was the North. Wait, the North came and slaughtered people? But I thought they were the good guys. Like, wait, what's, and all of a sudden, it kind of changed like this, like, oh, I guess it's not, you know, it's almost like reverse wokeism. Right. Right. Like this was like, wait, the heroes might not be the heroes anymore. Yeah. Right. And so Doug had always said that we're still living in the civil war. Everything that happened in the civil war because we killed, you know, almost right. a million people. Right. So, uh, the United States being one, uh, unique case where instead of slavery being abolished naturally through right. uh proclamation of the gospel say right yeah the united Culture states through yeah through actually the hearts of men being changed and then yes. saying we should change this and it's william wilberforce and why didn't they have a war to end slavery in england yes america killed you know families were split etc right and so Blood we're shed right and not a small right. amount which by the way i don't I mean i understood that in theory like wow this is kind of crazy that, that we're still living in that cultural tension to this day it wasn't until covid interesting that i actually have a taste of it now because like my mayor is a disaster in my 
city here, right? Right. And so if one of my daughters said, hey, I met a really great guy at college, you know, and she said his last name. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, heck no. Like his name is now mud. Yep. His name is mud to me now because of what I've seen him do in our city. This is over a stupid mask. Yep. Imagine now it's people actually dying, getting their limbs blown off and a million, you know, 700 to a million people dying in a war of the States. There's probably going to be some tension for a while. Right. So peace, we did not gain the peace we were looking for. Right. More or less possibly agitated it worse, or at least in such a way that it could still be around in 2021. Right. Right. And so Doug was saying in, well, he was always been saying, but around 2014, 15, 16, he was saying this whole thing with the Confederate flag, like, and, and by the way, how much more obvious does the issue have to be? We're talking about the Confederate flag, right? right? So the civil war is still an issue. It's just rolled into the DNA in a different way. Yep. And so I was looking at all of that, seeing what now we call cancel culture. We didn't have a name for it yet. And thinking like, man, I wonder if I took those, that Q&A and his talk from Bloomington and, and actually formed a narrative around it to, to what happened, where we were at that time and where I think we are going and just tried to address kind of everything, you know? Right. So the main ingredients as I see it in the free speech apocalypse are those videos, the Bloomington lectures, which the Q&A is great, but also uh, like, I think what's more impressive is Doug trying to lecture yes. throughout. Yes. He's trying to string an argument together. Right. The Q&A, at least, like, they ask a question, he right. answers it, they may not like it, but there's a tete-a-tete. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's those videos, and then you have the Civil War discussion. Right. Which involves states' rights, federal rights, et cetera. Right. And then, help me remember the bakery, Sweet Cakes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually blanking on the name. Um, maybe it was, yeah. I want to say it was that, but also when you say it, it makes, you're like, that sounds... Yeah, because I thought that was your nickname to me whenever you <laughs> saw me right. walking down the streets of <laughs> yeah. Moscow. Um, so I, yeah. I, I, I confused the two. But um, yeah, I forget. I mean, all, all that was going on, right? The, the idea of can you say I'm not going to put something on a cake, you know? Right. And, you, know, and you, you knew these particular two or you reached out to I them? I just reached out to them. Okay. Yeah, I, I reached out to them at Cakes the time. We, we were also running into, we had access to talk to, you know, Ben Carson and That's Ted Cruz. Right. That's right. And turns out, Ben Carson had seen Saving Christmas and was like, yeah, I'd love to be in something that you're doing, Crazy. you know? And um, so there was that. And yeah, like I said, Ted Cruz, like it, it, all the stuff was kind of available. I'm like, what if I just, what if we just talked about this story and the Supreme Court and what happened? I mean, in a lot of ways, it's probably too much to put into one movie. Did you feel that as you were piecing it together? I didn't when I was piecing it together, but I'm very ADD nonlinear on theology and something paul i mean i yep. i can just bah, 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 bah. I, I i like that stuff yep you know it's a lot to take in for a movie okay um but i think if you take it in pieces and then watch it again it it ended up doing i think some really amazing things that i that i don't think god was intentionally trying to do i think the free speech apocalypse ends up now it's the playbook it shows you the plays they're running how the left and sort of liberal woke um, cancel culture now is the, the plays they're running. Um, it helps tie in from a, from a sexuality standpoint, um, who are the fathers 
you know, Kinsey. Yes. Alfred Kinsey. I forgot about that. Learning about Kinsey and, and the foundation that he, that he built that we're living into this day. In Bloomington, Indiana. In Bloomington, in Indiana. Understanding that all the way to, you know, cancel culture, how people react, but then how should we respond? How should we know how to respond? What does it look like to respond in the face of all this stuff? Um, the fact that all these protesters gave us access back then to Crazy. to document what they were doing, how they wanted to do it. There's no way they would do that today. Oh, yeah. Only possible so, in 2012. Right? Yeah. So you get to see their playbook opened and then you get to see our playbook and what I think are the plays we need to be running against all these things. Right. Yeah. The I mean, there are some shocking moments, even as the access was given to talk to some of the protesters before, as they're like make on bruises. Right. Yeah. Because words hurt. Yes. And they needed to like illustrate that visually. And well, so they just dabbed bruises on their faces. Well, and to, and the fact, I mean, when I think of the film now, I, I'm like, wow, because then, then we also have, you know, Dr. Ben Merkel. That's right. Right. Is he a doctor? Yes. Yeah. Dr. Ben. Of some note. Of so, Yeah. I'm sure he's, you know, he's been to the doctor. <laughs> um, <laughs> he knows one. Oxford. Oxford. Yes. You know, um, you may have heard of it. Yeah. But. Talking about NSA and education, yep, right? And so the fact that you see, you know, Ben Merkel talking about the problem, analyzing who they are in relationship to sort of secular, you know, the college institution and educational system versus what kind of people you need to be creating. And now here, here we are in 2021 and NSA is the only Christian college with a backbone. Yes. And very, as I mentioned, uh, you did a, you did a quick video before coming in. One right. of my favorite pieces of, oh. of the documentary is as the unearther of Aaron Wrench. Of Aaron Wrench, yes, yes. Aaron Wrench is a feature in there. In he his does, old yeah. office. Yeah, you, you don't get a lot of Aaron Wrench on camera talking about things, and yet I'm always- The one capturing it. Well, and I'm always the one stealing from Aaron. I talk to Aaron all the time, and I hear his thoughts, and you know, Aaron's not put himself out there as, a, as an intellectual or a public thinker. He's doing yep. so many other things, right? But for me, I'm able to talk to Aaron and pick his brain for 10, 15 minutes and go like, wait, what did you just say? Okay, yep. I'm going to take that. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use How'd that. How'd you get him to say yes to that thing? Um, I'm pretty sure he was drunk. I don't think he yeah. knew what was going on. I think I he'd mean, been he, drinking. He's I'm told joking. me. That's a total joke. He alleged. That's a joke, everybody. <laughs> I know. I guess I took that in stride. You I, did. Uh, <laughs> I was way, yeah, like, there was no laugh. I know. Yeah. I know, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, <laughs> that sound I like showed Aaron up. At all. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I just showed up. Did you really? I just showed up and he was working. I said, hey, can we talk about, and he was like, yeah, I, I, I put two cameras up. There you go. One on the outside. One on the outside yep. because yeah. And, and I just talked to him and literally, I mean, he just, we talked for 15, 20 minutes and that was it. And it was out. And he was like, what's this for? Love that. Yeah. He apparently has made promises to do either podcast or somewhere. And he told me he will not do one of those till he appears on this podcast. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So this is, that's huge. Yeah. Either he's never going to do anything ever again. Right, right. Or he'll be on here soon. Well, again, I don't think, he, I mean, honestly, I don't think he, he knew and I just kind of did it. And, but that, but that comes, that circles back to what was this movie going to be? And I, and I knew what the ingredients were going to be, but I knew I wanted to talk to Doug, obviously. Yeah. Where was that, by the way? There Over was a... here. Yeah. Well, th the idea was to, again, back to the comedy, I was thinking I was going to do a comedy, like a, a, like a mockumentary. And this was a jail if you look at the way Doug is filmed, yes. it feels like he's in jail or some sort of concentration okay. camp. Yes. Or correctional camp. And the idea was- And you're dressed 
and I have a suit on. Nice. Yeah, yes. yeah, and I, 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 I put a suit on. And so is that part of it? That was going to be part of the. Yeah, the the, the idea wow. was he was like kind of on like I was doing an article on this pastor that had been jailed. And then I remember at one point too, like we were going to have like Gwen Burroughs as like this like Gestapo dressed up like prison guard who was going to bring him in and stuff. And, you know, it was just, it, it was, and, but the thing was, is we kept thinking all these jokes we could do while we were making it and all the jokes came true. Right. And then you have Bruce Jenner and you have all these things happening. Like it was get there was no. Becca the, Merkel. Yes. She's, She's in, in there. Too, right. And, and I, and I were, and I remember back to James White, when he gave his review of the movie, he said, and I don't understand why a girl shows up in a garden at some point. He goes, that's where the movie lost me. Um, <laughs> just a great line. That's where it lost me. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. I mean, it's James White. I mean, uh, and yeah. he gave the movie a C minus, which would be great. Maybe for an ad on this, we give it. James White, C minus. C minus. You know, I love that. Um, which, by the way, I think if you're passing with James White, I think you're still winning. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, given what we've already said about right, him, right? Exactly. He's the best. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was. Yeah, I kind of, I just, I wanted to just put everything in this movie that I thought really mattered in regards to how to think about this. A lot of times when people make movies, they really do think about a single narrative, stay focused, stay on point, stay on message. And to me, this is not the kind of thing. Well, one, I don't think the world's that, that tidy. Cookie cutter. Yeah, I just don't think you can do that. And I don't think people are as stupid as people want to make them out to in regards to actually having to cater to audiences and keeping it simple. To me, you can't talk about one thing without talking about everything. Right. Right. And so a subject like this, which is about sexuality, it's about culture. Coercion. Politics, coercion. Um, 1984, right? We have a lot of 1984 in the movie. I just forgot about that, you know, all those things and double speak and, you know, all all of that, like not seeing COVID coming, but now with COVID, all these things that are even more, I think now watching free speech apocalypse in the midst of COVID pandemic, where we're at in masks. And I think free speech apocalypse is actually even more powerful now than it was then. And about a year and a half ago, I tried to rewatch it. How'd that go? It was too intense for me. I was actually, I was so stressed out. It's like, wow, this movie's intense. Like, whoa, like how, how did I make this? How, how did I not see this was that intense? And then not too long ago, when we started talking about this, I was like, I should probably watch it again. And having come through COVID where we're at right now, a year yeah. into mask mandates and our freedoms being taken away Speaking and double speak and, and right and states rights and all that stuff. I watched it and I was, it, fe- it felt like, well, that was a really fun movie. Like, because we're in it now and yep. everything that we're dealing with now actually gets addressed, right? Because what is reality? And I think at its core, you know, which I think I will follow up in my world of docs and really gnarly subjects. I have something that's I've been working on for a long time, but it deals with just that, the nature of reality. Because once you get rid of the of reality, then everything's up for grabs. Yeah. Because once there is no truth in the sense of facts, math, science, how can you walk into a courtroom and there be law, right? right? So once you destroy the nature of reality, which is what we're living in right now, right? The mask mandate has been all about follow the science as if everything else we're dealing with in regards to gender is following the science, right? right? So we're living in these two worlds where follow the science, what if I follow the science here? Well, who's science? What science? Who Like, these are fair questions, right? But you can't even ask them anymore. And to ask them ends you back at 1984 with a mask on your face 
or a cage on your face and a rat eating away at it, you know? Right. And so I've lived now in my life where I, I have stories now where my kids, my, you know, at the time, 14 or 15 year old daughters, you know, being screamed at and yelled at walking down a street because they were too close to their friends in, in small town America, people jumping out of their, say, get away from each other. You're going to kill everybody. Like that's real now. My kids know what it's like to get yelled at now, right? To be screamed at for not conforming to what people say is the truth about science or the truth of reality that they are defining. So free speech apocalypse, I think, will help identify those things. And more than anything, I, what, what I try to do with, with my films, at least with my documentaries, is I want you to be looking at people and say, I know what a backbone looks like. Okay. Because I don't think people are as weak as maybe we say they are when we get super critical, you know, as far as who's joining the fight and, and who's not. If you don't have leaders to look at, if you don't have heroes to actually look at and say, how do you act? How do you interact? What do you do? How, how, how do you communicate that? How, how do you hold yourself up? How do you stand in front of 500 people screaming at you? If you've never seen it, I don't know why we would think people would know how to do it. It's really good. That's really good. And I think I've used Doug before to talk about someone who could stand there without a level of maliciousness or anxiety. You know, there was mm -hmm. him. He was not on edge. He never got an attitude. He never sort of reacted. No, he's got a, he's, he's got a weird superpower. Yeah, he's, you know, and it's not this evil thing that the online critics, you know, that he's somehow so evil. He's I've heard just of them. Yeah, calm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I asked him, I said, Doug, how, how do you, I said, doesn't it freak you out? Doesn't it hurt you at all to have people say those things or yell at you? And like, I mean, come on, dude, it's just man to man here. Like, yeah, it's got to hurt a little bit. Right. And he was like, no, I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? No. He goes, they don't know me. I, I don't know them. If a person calls you a racist from across the street, yeah, why would you care? Right. So now if you called me a racist from across the street, I'd be concerned. Not sweet cakes. I was like, yeah, hey, yeah. sweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, and yeah. I thought, uh, yeah, I, you know. Yeah. One quick aside. Yeah. I want to talk to you about the nature of that documentary versus maybe other ones, but real quick, as you described sort of this setup of like, it was actually going to be a comedy. I'm wondering how close this was to the genesis of the Ride Sally Ride. Because if folks don't know. Right. You played a role in this, in this origin story of Ride Sally Ride. Yeah. Which I so, think. Did I thought it was happen? really cool, but I think it's going to really come back to bite me now. Like, this is kind of, a, this is getting really exciting, you know? <laughs> Did this come back? I mean, was this, were these back to back? Because it almost sounds in the neighborhood. Um, it wasn't back to back, but I was definitely thinking um, as I was contemplating the nature of content, yeah, communicating things, looking at Doug's blog, knowing that cancel culture was going to come and there's going to be a lot of deplatforming coming and which now is the Canon app, which is so great to be yeah. talking about all this. I kept thinking, you know what? Doug should really turn his blog into a place for content for, right? And so what if we did a seven part mini series short film um, that we could launch on, on his website? I was right. like, that would be really cool. Like we could really shake things up, Yep. you know, um, which tells you the difference of thinking two years ago or three years ago to now, right? You know, because there was <laughs> the idea of having your own app and your yeah, own content. Really, sure. we were thinking about it, but no one was really there yet. Not in motion. Right. And so I had this idea, which, you know, I'm happy to take credit for it because it was my idea. But for whatever was going on, it just seemed like every day on Drudge Report, when I still read Drudge Report, 
every other article was about a sex bot. Right. Like it just, <laughs> okay. it just seemed like for a year, every other article, you know, like within, okay. you know, it's like Putin, something, something, sex bots, now yeah. something new, you know, and I just, I kept like, what is, like, this is really. All the rage. Yes. Yeah, really yeah. all, all, all the rage, you know? Yeah. And. Drudge is on it at least. Right. You yeah. know, and, you know, I went down the rabbit hole. You know, and, for, you know, cause you would see the article and you'd click and I would read and, you know, and I'd be like, wow, this is really happening. Right. Like this is really happening. And it, I just thought immediately like, well, of course people are going to start marrying robots. Yeah. You know? We will not stop at just the act. Yeah. Like, yeah. Of, of course they're going to marry them. And right. of course that's going to happen. And, and, you know, you know, having one foot in Christian culture and kind of one foot out in one sense, I mean, I have two feet firmly planted in Christendom, Sure, you know, but culturally I'm kind of one foot in one foot out because I, I don't even know what Christian culture is anymore. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a good sense, which I think is because it's so fractured right now. You know what I mean? And immature. And yeah, I just, I mean, I may just be addicted. Like, uh, <laughs> I just went to the great homeschool conventions Yeah, and I came home with a shirt with the Adidas logo, but it said addicted to Jesus. Right. So we're back there again? I think so. Because I think that when I became a Christian 20 so. years ago, that, that they was were, hot. Right. But uh, they are back. I go to a Supertones concert and it would be like, you know, <laughs> Coca-Cola with Jesus Christ. It may have been the same guy selling them. It could, yeah. He's like, I'm back. You <laughs> know, back like, in you the know, school circles. Um, it's like high-waisted jeans. They're back. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but I, you know, it was, I would just, I was like, of course that's going to happen. And then of course, you know. There's going to be a bunch of Christians who are like, don't judge, man. Like, just don't, don't judge that. Just we, let him be. We got to love them. Yeah. Got to invite him and his sex bot over for dinner and we got to <laughs> love them. And then the idea just kept going, like, what would that look like? And then what if you had like a young kid who was like, this is like, no, this is totally wrong. And what if the dad was like a pastor and the dad was like, you know, like, no, we're going to love them. They, they need Jesus. And then the thing that broke the idea was the kid, you know, saying, what do you mean them, dad? What do you mean they need Jesus? You know? Yeah. And it was like, so I just kept kind of riffing on this idea, brought it to Doug and which I've brought Doug a lot of ideas <laughs> that he just looked at yeah. me, you know, yeah. I thought this was going to be another one of those, you know? And he was like, all right, I'll write it. Let's do it. And then two days later, all seven parts were written and I read through them. I went through them. Oh my. Oh. And, and of course I had the idea that he would kill the bot and the kid would do that. And what would yeah. that be? I was like, I, I, I had the idea. Yep. Right. And then Doug wrote the whole thing out. As a seven part series. Yeah. Yeah. That you would film. Yeah. yeah. And then when I read it, then I had my wife read it. And there's, I think like on part two or chapter three, however it was, there was both the part where she was like, whoa, like, whoa. Like when the neighbor comes over is basically enticing him to go over. Yes. And we both read that like, whoa, that just got, that got, whoa. And then. I started thinking, I don't think I could put anybody through this from a directing standpoint with, with actors. Yep. My own conscience yeah. was like, well, I'd have to play the guy then. Cause I don't know if I even want to put someone in that role. Right. And that's for me. I just, sure. I, I honestly no, sense. was like, I don't think I want to put any human being through actually having to make this. At your directorial. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I just, you know, and kind of told Doug that, you know, and, and so that kind of shelved the project. Okay. And then I think, I don't know, a little while after that, Doug said, 
can I have the idea and just run with it and write a novel? It's like, I think I got a much bigger, crazier idea. I was like, yeah, of course. Right ahead. You know? And then he did. And then I think I read like the first draft and I was like, oh my God. I was like, what? Like he was pushing it. He had put a re, you know, like he, he, what writes Sally Wright is now is what Doug does. I mean, he, yep. you know, but I think there's even more of a prophetic vision of what, you know, I'm really good at ideas. I'm really good at telling events. I'm not a good storyteller. I'm good at documenting stories in real life, but yep. I'm not good at telling stories, but I'm very good at telling events, which is not enough for a story. Yep. I had the idea of an event. Yeah. There was no story. Right. Right. Doug took it and just made it massive. Then I think I read something yesterday that now they're going to make a feature film out of Ride Sally Ride. Is that true? That's the rumor. I, mean, I saw a picture with him and some, <laughs> and some guy. So, I mean, it's, is that a rumor? I mean, no, what do you know? Not, yeah. The guy was here a few weeks ago. I had him on the pod. Now, is it funded or is someone just attached? That's so the details I have no clue. Okay. All I don't right. know anything about the details. Right. I think, uh, but for those that do listen to Can Calls, it was Joseph Granda. Right. He was on the podcast a little while ago. Cool. Yeah. No, so town, I'm, so. you know, so it's, I'm pumped up, you know, if it's fun to be a part of just starting trouble and, you I know. I was going to say, you know. I feel like people are going to get a hold of the podcast and you're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's fine. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I think that's something that I'm trying to specialize in and even with my clients, you know, is everyone's going to get canceled. Shot just a clock, matter of time. Shot clock has started. Everyone's going to get canceled, including people who are canceling people. They're going to get canceled. Down to the studs. Yeah. And so I'd rather be one then who talks about how to deal with it, how to not deal with it. Right. And to just keep doing your thing, you know, and in, in a world of everyone being canceled, you know, I'm just going to go back to every meme from the last 10 years and just be like, what do you mean? Just do you. Yeah. Just be you. Right. Love you. Now, uh. Don't let someone cancel you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Get your own platform. Right. Um, exactly. And that's where we're at now. And that's why this is, that's why this is so fire, man. Like this is, this is Canon, the app, what's happening right now, the content that's coming out, man rampant. I mean, you know, I'm bringing all my films here now. You know, I want everything to be here at Canon. I want, I want that app to be my home for things. I mean, we're, we've got new content coming from Collision and, you know, that's- Which is on the app now. Collision is on the app. Go get it. We have Collision Through Your Eyes coming on, on the app. I'm going to be bringing so much stuff over. So I just, I just love this. This is my dream come true. The, 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 the whole reason why I've been such a contrarian and quote unquote punk rock and all the stuff that I do is because I do not like gatekeepers. I do not like anyone telling artists no on how to do things, get things, selling your soul, or having to get a distribution deal. The reason why I fight so hard is because I want everyone to be able to say, no, I'm making something and I'm getting it out and there's no gatekeepers. The only thing I've been fighting for consistently with all of my attitude and all of my whatever this is, I just like that. And, and Canon is, the Canon app, is like everything I've ever dreamed of and everyone's going to be able to do it. And that to me is like, you know, I think my work's almost done because that's <laughs> all I've ever wanted in life. Well, you know, what's funny too is like, I feel like where you, we've talked before, I told you your music videos raised me right. for better and worse. Right. Which that was such an era of like punk rock. Yeah. Where they, where are those people now? Right. On a lot of these issues. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. How many are wearing two masks? That's do you right. Think? Yeah. Uh, Probably, probably all of them. Yeah. You know, at, at least for photos. Yep. Right. Well, not as punk rock. Right. Exactly. Um, 
One thing is I watched. Look, 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 punk rock is dead as we knew it. Knew it. Me and you in this room are more punk rock than Black Flag, the Dead Kennedys, you know, um, Pennywise. Name any of those bands. Blink. Blink. Although they were fun punk, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, punk rock, a- anti-authority, yeah. anti-the system, going to do... This is it. This is punk rock. Two dudes doing a podcast right now with my son here, the next generation of troublemaker, you know, doing this and having our own app, not needing to go through anybody, no gatekeepers. This is the equivalent of putting out your own vinyl, making your own t-shirts, having your own screen printing. This is it now, except now it goes to the whole world. This is more punk rock than Henry Rollins could ever be. Could you even imagine it from when you were back in those days? No way. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm still PTSD from gatekeeping. Yeah, I still have to push myself. Like, what? What do you mean? Ask for permission? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I oh, I have a new project. I wonder if I should go talk to. What am I talking? <laughs> just go do it. Make yeah. it. Put it out. Like, I'm I'm still so shell shocked from an industry. Yeah. Of needing permission, needing to get um, knighted by somebody in the culture scene. That says you're cool, you're hip, you're punk rock. We'll give you the quote, you know, like, oh, I wish we just go out and get some quotes for this new thing we're doing. Like on the trailer for the free yeah. speech apocalypse. Yes. I just wrote my own quote for Canon Press. For Canon Press. <laughs> like, why are we fronting? Yeah, why are we yeah, calling yeah. our friends and having them give us the quote we know yeah. they're I just write my own quote. I just wrote my own yeah. quote because I knew Canon would say that. Sure. Just wrote my own quote. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just Yeah. Get things done. It's quicker. It's not, it's not burdening you to have to go get a quote to write something. Hey, do you support this project? Yes. Cool. I'm going to write a quote. So that Brian Cole can just send a quote. Right. Yeah, exactly. So one thing is I rewatched free speech. Um, when I think of you, I usually think of like you chasing down events. Okay. Moments. Yep. Big explosion ish type moments for this one in particular, a lot of the explosion moments you were given. Yes. It was a gift. Did you feel like you chased down interviews? Mm-hmm. How did this one go in comparison to like other things you do? Did it, did you feel that? Were you bored by that to some degree? No, I really, no. You, you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I think that, I think. I'm not saying it came off boring. I'm just saying, but you personally as someone who does this. Yeah. Yeah. Did I, you wish like, oh, I wish I could be. No. Okay. No, I'm actually really a, I'm, I'm kind of a baby on, I'm, I'm always scared. <laughs> okay. I, I don't like being around fights. I don't like being around arguments. <laughs> I don't like being around tension. Like I really, yeah. I really don't. It's not some like, you know, it's not the big tough guy saying, yeah. I'm actually really like, no, like I really, I shake on confrontation. Yeah. yeah. I don't like it. But sometimes you, you just, you, you have to be there. And, sometimes you and have you to be have kicked to, off the ski right. slope. Yeah. And <laughs> that's right. But what actually scares me more is actually sitting down in front of somebody and pushing myself to try to be thoughtful, like what you're doing right now. Yeah. Like that's really scary to me, but I really enjoy that kind of fear. Okay. Like I really enjoy that kind of fear and free speech apocalypse really sealed for me. I loved asking people questions. I was like, I think I like this a lot. Cause with collision, it's not too different, but you, I feel like there's, you know, you I was have, always asking them. Yeah. I was, you have I'm a off, block yeah. of Christopher Hitchens walking with yes. him and you've got to be like on yes. top of it. You're dealing yes. with. But I, so that's naturally when I think of you doing things, that's how I imagine yes. it. And that's how I imagine you enjoy doing it. Yes. Free speech was a bit more, we've got lighting, yeah. we're set, 
We're yeah. sitting. Did you feel that at the time? I, I did. Okay. And, and it was thrilling. I just, because I, because <laughs> I got to sit with some people who I cool. really wanted to talk to. Cool. I really wanted to ask Doug, like, do you really think Abraham Lincoln was a horrible president? Yeah. Like, I want to ask him that. I really wanted to ask him, like, do you think women being able to vote was a bad idea? Yeah. You know, what do you think about Martin Luther King Jr.? Right. Like I wanted, I wanted to ask him those questions. And have him sort of thread what you have. Like you talked about earlier, you have like these ideas that are seemingly disparate. Yeah. That most people would not attempt. Right. And you're sitting with like, who I think is one of the ultimate generalists. Yes. With Doug. Mm -hmm. And asking him to like yes. thread the needle. Very fun. And push him. Yeah. A, right. a, lot of, a lot of people don't push Doug. Yeah. Like I have no problem pushing Doug. So I think that chasing down that punk yep. rock that being in the pit or stage diving or being near the explosion you talk about i yeah. i have no problem pushing doug one because i think it's good for him yeah you know and two he gets better the more you push right. him i i would watch him give a lecture at i think it was columbia in in uh collision he gave a talk there on apologetics and existence of God. And it was like, that's right. And okay, it was like, yes. it was like, oh, I remember that. It was like, oh, that's good. You know, Doug gets up. He's very polite. Thoughtful, yeah. You know, then afterwards the Q and a starts and the kids get in his face and they start putting it. And I was like, Oh, and he just got so good and so good. And it, and it goes from like a really nice, polite presentation to you better be prepared to swallow that reductio. Right. And you're like, yep. Whoa, what did he just say? Yeah. Swallow that reductio. Right. Woo. I, I feel like Doug unpushed. will sort of assume we're all good here mm -hmm. and I'm not going to go into nooks and crannies right. because I've stated this. I noticed that like in school, you know, yeah. like I wish there were times, there were classrooms where I was like, I know not everybody believes like. Right. Yes. So I do. And I remember you several times saying, you know, what was the moment in the doc where you said something like, uh, with all due respect, who cares right. about Abraham Lincoln? Right. Like, why does this matter? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. And no, and that, cause that's the stuff I was really. I really wanted to go deep on that because it really is a part of what we're dealing with, even to this day, to where now in 2021, it wasn't even good enough if you freed the slaves. Right. It was, and, so, and, and that connects now with this idea that there is a perfection, that woke culture, this new religion of perfection, right, that you have to get to. But you'll never get there because you'll never actually be forgiven. There is no forgiveness within woke culture. Right. You can't ever be good enough. And so now it goes more kind of Hindu Raja. It's the, it's the blind men and the elephant. And they're all, you know, the whole thing yep. is they're all describing what an elephant is, but they're all blind, right? And they're all arguing. No, an, an elephant is, is, is curvy. You know, one's like, no, it's thinned at the table, right? And they're all arguing because the, you know, Rajah eventually comes out from to the top of the tower and screams and says, stop it. You know, you're all right. You all just have a different part of the elephant. And it's supposed to be this mind-blowing yep. picture that what we think is truth, we all just have a small part of the truth because we're blind, right? But who's the Rajah? How do you well, get yeah. outside of the blindness? How do you get into the, the tower to look down at the blind people? Right. And that's what woke culture is doing. I almost feel like it's far more intolerant than that now. Right. Where I feel like that was a predominant thing. But it like, absolutely I feel like the Raja is. comes out and is like, you right. guys don't see what I see. You're all wrong. There is no forgiveness. Right. And it's something that I, I was on the cultish podcast. It just kind of came out, which is that I, I don't think I've really ever understood my faith more than I do now at this time. 
because when you take seriously the claims of racism, you take seriously the claims of privilege, all these, all these crimes, they have no answer. And so even if I assume that they were right, and I don't, but if I assume they were right, the only answer would still be Jesus. The yeah. only answer would still be that there's only, the only kind of forgiveness is complete forgiveness. The only kind of forgiveness is a forgiveness that doesn't keep an account. This idea like, I will forgive, but I won't forget. Like, yeah, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. like, you know, stop it. You know what I mean? It's like, no. You'd still be wrong, but you would just add bootlicking right. to your right. repertoire. Exactly. Right. And so there's not enough. You never get free. Right. right? And so I think at the, ultimately that is what free speech apocalypse is doing. A lot of the work that, that, that I try to do is address it, think about it. But the only answer is Jesus. That's, that's where, when I say I have one foot in Christian culture, one out, but I have two feet firmly rooted in Christendom. The only answer to everything is the Sunday school answer. It's Jesus. That's the only answer. Give me a problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I was going to say we can end with where you kind of end with the documentary. And I don't know if that was like coming from Doug or like, where do you land all of these disparate elements that you've tried to sort of thread? And it's a quick discussion on postmillennialism. Yeah. Why, why, why was that the, uh, the decision? Why was that the go-to? Well, one, because I think it's true. Um, right. but secondly, because it's the only, it's the only answer that can make sense of, um, outside of some weird pure martyrdom approach to things, how do we still live knowing that my son is going to inherit the world that I'm in today? And so if my son just saw me going around being a martyr and every day I looked at my son, I go, I may not come back today, son, because I'm going to be, I, I may have to be a martyr today. Yeah. You know, it would just be weird. Yeah. You know? And that kind of weirdness, I've only really seen. Weirdness is like a, you develop a sort of distance right, to everything right, around you, whether right, it's your exactly. family or right, surroundings. Yeah. You know, and kids who grow up as like missionary kids, I think kind of have this, yep. this PTSD. Of, so it's like yep. weird, like, you know, but the post-millennial hope is in what's already been done. So it's already been won, right? Yep. And so all of this is just the, the process of what victory looks like. And then what, and then what is our faithfulness going to look like in the process of this victory playing out? I, I also feel like it gives, it offers a justification and plus a, a sort of duty for you to do the hard work that you illustrate in the documentary, piecing through all this right now move to make it better. Right. Yeah. You know, it sort of is like, because we're here, this is it. It's our responsibility. It's our problem. And the kingdom continues to expand and there's more potential now for the free speech apocalypse today in 2021 than 2016 or 2017 or 18 or 19 or 20, because the gospel continues to advance, technology advances, health advances, and now there's an app. Now there's one less gatekeeper yep. that will not prevail against the church. Right. And so that to me is what makes this whole thing exciting. It makes it probably the most, like I said, this, this gets me more geeked out than anything is the freedom for Christians and creators in general. Cause I just, I have a heart for creators. I want them to come to the creator, but in the meantime, I relate there. If you grew up around musicians, you would like musicians or wherever else, you know, kids that played hockey. Cause you knew them and you have a heart for it, whatever. God gives you a heart for certain types of people. For me, it's creators. I know that process, that struggle, that angst, that excitement, that fulfillment. Um, but I also know that there's nothing worse than knowing that there's a rigged game in some way, shape, or form of how you're going to get your content or your project out there. So I would hope other people, creators, would be hearing this right now, or some kid hears it right now and says, I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to start tomorrow 
Because if I make a movie, I can send it to Canon. Yeah. And maybe they'll put it out. Or by the time they're done, there's 30 more yep. people putting out content in this field, in this sphere. And so that would be, be my ultimate hope. It's not that I'm trying to inspire people. I, I, I don't give that talk. But I would certainly like people to get pumped up to go do the hard work, knowing that other people have come before them and they can enjoy the fruit of, their, of that labor that came before them. Let's go. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for the coffee. Cheers. Cheers.